Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Frontside Podcast, episode number 98. My name is Charles Lowell, developer here at the Frontside and your podcast host in training. With me today, we're going to have a roundtable, a Frontside roundtable. With me today is Elric. Hey. Joe. How are you doing? And, of course, Will. Hello, hello. Welcome, y'all. We're going to be talking today about some of the things that we do around here, uh, aside from, you know, trimming the the shrubs and um, making coffee and, uh, you know, snacking on Altoids, um, <laughs> like way too many of them. <laughs> yeah, we. I was thinking we could talk about a little bit about like software. Quality is a relative thing. Like this software has these qualities. And I think that, you know, that kind of lofty goal of software quality is comprised of having a bunch of little qualities you know the quality of having fewer bugs or the quality of having these things and so talking about all these things that we do uh and kind of what we do to make sure that we continue to do them <laughs> or that the, the 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 ways that we can ensure that uh, you know our software has these things um so yeah let's uh we can just um you know start start really anywhere uh, yeah, so one core thing is obviously tests. Mm -hmm. That kind of falls under we want to have really there's two qualities there that we want, right? Is we want to have we want to have it software. we want it to be maintainable, we want it to be resilient to change, and we want it to work properly. Right? Yeah, yeah so we put tests in place to make sure that that happens. Tests also inform design in a really positive way mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the time anyway. Um, yeah, that's mm -hmm. another thing that uh, we like to include in our apps is responsiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a and like just making sure that you have that it works like on a multiplicity of devices, right? Yeah, and um, not just the devices, but browsers as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like it turns out it's actually really hard to do that like after the fact. Right? Yeah, like making mm -hmm. sure that lots of browsers, lots of devices, because, yeah, sometimes you can, you know, you have some weird, like weird screen width that is on some weird device um, and making sure that 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 works. There's I guess there's some overlap with testing there, too, isn't it? Right. Like you want to yeah. be running those on like running your tests on those devices at those resolutions to make sure that they're going to work. Mm -hmm. This is something that we aspire to but i don't think we're quite there yet it was making sure that we, our applications are accessible yeah i'm yep. very excited to learn more about this uh, mm -hmm. as we get into this yeah right right and like like asking the question how is it that we actually can ensure you know our applications are accessible like we have very paved roads for making sure that our applications are resilient to change and that they uh have like low bug rates and that they're well designed via testing but what is the te what is what is the analog of testing for accessibility like what's the way that you can put those um those guardrails in for accessibility i have no idea and that's that's an ongoing conversation here at frontside mm -hmm. so i guess i'm curious as to what technologies are actually involved in accessing i guess a web application in would it be reasonable say a non-traditional way i know there's such things as screen readers but is, is that all we're talking about or is you know kind of what is the ecosystem and that we have to you know consider supporting i'm certainly not an expert on this we'd have to get rob in here um to chew yeah. our ears off this but from what i've picked up from him and from our conversations with like marcy sutton and uh, some other folks that we've had on the podcast it's a big umbrella 
right? Mm-hmm. So it is, it's anyone using an application in a non-traditional way, you know, so whether that, that can have to do with limited vision, hearing, movement, range of movement, cognitive ability. It's a gigantic whale of a, of a domain. Uh, yeah, the topic of accessibility uh, can definitely be like several podcasts on its own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like one thing that we've talked about is, you know, it would be great if you could like drive your test suite through a screen reader or something like that. What would that even look like? Mm-hmm. There are a couple of open source ones out there, but they're all like Windows only. I think it was it was NVDA uh, was the big one. And then you have a screen reader that then drives the applications in your operating system. So it's going to vary per operating system. So making sure that it's accessible on Windows, at least as I understand it, is very different from making sure that it's accessible on a Mac. Oh, yeah, it's like a whole other layer. It's like browser stack outside of the browser. Um, yeah. Right. And but, um, there, there are things that uh, you can do from the beginning that'll make it easier when you get to that point. It's just like using semantic HTML, knowing when and how to use proper RA labels. And like all these things, if you do it from the beginning, it's not as big of a task as bolting it on afterwards. Right. And I think, you know, it's we do have a leg up when it when it comes to web applications. It's within our power to change. Like there are there are there are cross platform uh, of those, those those technologies, but as you said, well, it's it's important to put them in from the beginning, because as we've seen, there's for each one of those categories, there's you're accumulating debt if you don't address it. So there's technical debt, but I think that technical debt can bucket it into a bunch of different areas, right? Like so, there's technical debt in terms of the internal quality of your architecture, the way your software components talk to each other, and I think that that's what people mostly think of when they talk about technical debt. But I think in terms of, you know, responsiveness debt, you know, there's a slice of the technical debt pie that has to do with making your application responsive. Uh, And so if you don't address making your application responsive, you're accumulating debt um, and you might not know it. And if you're not making your application accessible, then from the beginning, you're accumulating debt. So that like if you have to go and and try and figure out your accessibility story six months, a year, two years, you might actually uncover and say, whoops, I've been like swiping the accessibility credit card and holy crap with all this, (laughs) like all my fines and penalties and compounded interests. Now, like I'm accessibility bankrupt. And that could be scary, right? Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize like. Uh, with all this debt after the fact is they think they're going in and adding things like responsiveness and accessibility and tests. But really, you're also taking away previous work that's already there, things that need to be refactored. Like if you put these things off, you're not just adding a few hours of time, you're inflating your time exponentially. Right, right, exactly. It can be intimidating, but I think it's also empowering because technical debt is like a scary subject. But if you're like, oh, we can actually slice our technical debt into, you know, a, a bunch of different categories and, and kind of address them individually. Just, just knowing that this is like an area where debt can accumulate, that's half the battle, right? Because the worst thing is like debt that you don't even see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, big, that's a big part of accessibility debt is most people don't think of accessibility. So that is a huge yeah. debt that a lot of companies don't see. What about something like internationalization where I, I, I feel like I've never been in an application where that wasn't punted on to some degree 
that's kind of a well-known problem, but it still takes a back burner. Do you think that if accessibility kind of had more exposure as as a concern, uh, would it actually get the attention it deserves, or is it you know kind of destined to? Uh, oh, we'll get to those YAML files later. We'll send those off for translation later. Uh, that type of thing. I don't know. Sometimes I feel as though people feel as though they're trading speed away, like when they build in applications, when they go to yeah. implement these things, like, okay, well, we're not really going to touch on these right now because that's going to slow us down from pushing out features, mm-hmm. um, which is not really true. Um, because if you don't settle on these things early, you're not really building like a solid foundation for your application in the long haul, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. So I think people are like, oh, well, we're not good. We'll just do it later. Um, right. And we'll just ship features now. Right. I think that's exactly right. It has this kind of secondary effect where not only do you develop the debt, but you develop a culture of accumulating debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like when it comes to like, you know, uh, uh, you know, people kind of, you know, getting a hold of their finances, like the first thing that they have to change is like they have to change their spending habits. <laughs> and like it's it's uh, it, that can be like the hardest thing. It's not just balancing the equation. It's like saying, like, I need to like readjust my thinking about this. Um, yep. so that I'm not like consistently put in a situation again. So there's a, an operative word there, right? Uh, in personal finance in that usually, uh, you know, if a company is addressing technical debt, especially down the road, you know, something that they've punched on for a while, uh, it's far from personal. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's a board of directors or there's a special interest group involved. Uh, there's people who want features, uh, you know, that are, that are, you know, putting money into it. There's a lot of, I guess, pressure as the company grows and more people are involved. Priorities are more likely to be lost, I guess. Mm-hmm. It can be, are you saying like it can be hard when, when your culture is spread over that many people, it can be hard to shift? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and and I guess to, to keep with the dash first thing, like ideally, you know, were we starting a company, we would want to kind of start a culture first company, right? Where uh, mm-hmm. a culture that... Uh, you know, recognizes uh, the vulnerability um, that we all have to technical debt uh, as applications grow. Uh, we would want that up front. But the reality is, you know, uh, startups, right, you know, are eager to get things mm-hmm. out. Uh, companies that have been around for a long time uh, have high paying clients that they depend on uh, that, you know, want certain things. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm just saying uh, it's it has to come in from the beginning. And, and yeah. And I think, well, I think that, uh, I mean, I don't want to like, I don't want to completely disparage technical debt entirely because technical debt, like actual debt is, you know, like, like financial debt is a powerful tool that you can wield, but it's also like, it's like a, you know, it's like a table saw. Um, you can also easily slice your finger off. (laughs) Um, it doesn't mean that it's not a useful tool, right? I mean, if anyone's bought a house, it's really, it's really great that, um, you know, you can borrow money to, to buy a house. Um, it's great that businesses can borrow money, get small business loans to get bootstrapped. And that benefits us all, um, to have that, have that community. I don't think that, yeah, I mean, startups definitely, they need to have technical debt as a tool that's available to them, but it's just not, you know, they just need to understand the consequences of it and, and be able to get a, um, a hold on it. That's a super interesting take. I'd never considered it that way before. Yeah, I, it's not, it's definitely not my take. I think that's, you know, I, I actually think the person who coined the term technical debt, that was the original idea. <laughs> um, but then people realized that like technical debt can also get, get way out of hand. 
It's just like real think You're not, you know, paying down a certain amount uh, every so often. It's going to keep growing. Yep. You're going to have to declare bankruptcy at some point and throw out the piece of software if you don't pay it down. Yeah. And that's going to be more expensive. Yep. That's definitely true. So I have a, a, a question. And like we see this all the time, like repeating itself at various companies, you know, whether it's a startup, a large company where they, you know, put off testing and mobile first, user first, accessibility first, like all the first, they just kind of toss it to the side. Why do you all think that that happens so frequently? I think it comes into people not understanding that if you don't address it from the start, it won't happen naturally. Like there is a prime motivator that has to happen. If you don't imbue something with those qualities when it's tiny, you know, when it's a tiny seed, a tiny crystal, you're going to have to drill through layers and layers and layers of core to put it at the, the crystal to begin with. I like to think of software as kind of like a tree and we eat the fruit of the tree, right? And that's the features that users use. And we, you know, we, we can tell that a fruit is delicious uh, merely by placing it in our mouths, you know, and we can tell what fruit is bad, but we can't really look at the fruit itself to say like what, what caused this fruit to be good? What caused this fruit to be bad? We have to look at the tree. And like, I think that that's what people uh, miss when they're developing software is that what you really want to do is you want to build a tree that builds good fruit. You can't just take the fruit off the vine and say like, hey, I've got this peach, but it doesn't have enough sweetness. So I'm going to take a syringe and I'm going to inject glucose. Uh, around it and make it less tart. You know, you say like, I want a sweet fruit, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, you could probably wanna... actually do that. Yeah, you could. <laughs> and and that might be a strategy, right? And we see a lot of software that has those qualities of like, oh, we're going to make this accessible or we're going to try and make this beautiful. I happen to think that pigs are adorable animals and look great in lipstick, but that, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you can put, you can put lipstick on a pig, uh, but people, people can tell, and you can say like, Oh, this peach needs to have softer fruit and you can whack it with a mallet to actually make the, the, the meat more tender, but you know, people are going to be able to tell. So what you really need to do is you need to like care for the peach tree rather yep. than worry so much about the fruit. Um, because if you've got a, if you have a healthy tree, then you will have healthy fruit, right? Yeah. So you want to plant, you want to plant good seeds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to your question, I'll work about like what motivates, you know, startups and other companies to put off these things. I think the biggest thing is just time and money because they have this misconception where like they're saving a little time and they're saving a little money now just to add it back later. But in reality, it's going to cost them tenfold time and money by adding it later versus just spending a little bit of time and money on it to begin with. That's right. true. It, it could also boil down as far as like just personal intimidation, like not so much like a, you know, business side of it thing, but maybe just, you know, think of all the things that you listed. All right. Uh, it was almost a dozen, you know, dash firsts in there. Yeah. Uh, if you're, you know, sitting down at a, at a startup, that you started with three friends and, uh, you know, just approaching these things for the first time, that's a lot to tack on right up front, right? It's intimidating. It is intimidating. I think my message to those people is I've felt intimidated by that. I think my message to those people is like, 
the 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 nice thing about it is if you attack those if, if you attack all of those things from the get go, the features will take care of themselves uh, and feel more effortless as you go yeah. on. You say like, oh well, I actually I don't worry about you know a high rate of you know uh, bugs. What's I want to say recidivism, but that's not uh, <laughs> that's not the right word. Um, uh, a high rate of uh, of return. Not on money, but on on like or high bounce rate of bouncing your users. You don't you don't want that. And if you bake that in for the beginning, you know parts of the de- software development cycle that were stressful before just aren't stressful uh, anymore. So if you 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 know we say like we want to have a system that is de- you know easily maintainable. Well, let's let's put that in from the very beginning, right? Like we say that a lot. We deploy to production on day one. Uh, yeah. but what that means is by put, we, we say we have this value that we want the system to be easy, ma- easily maintainable. And so we're going to, we're going to do it, uh, from day one. That means that we actually, it's not something that we worry about so much, you know, on down the road. Um, whereas that used to be very stressful. I don't know. Like I remember when I started my career, we, there would always, there was these long release cycles where, you know, every mm-hmm. six months. Waterfall. You know, you would release software and like the last month was just absolutely terrible as you tried to like stand this thing up and get it into production and then realize like it's not monitored. It's not like there's no <laughs> one checking the health of this thing. Like, uh, so, you know, it's pissing off users at one in the morning Beepers. and what's that? Yeah. Beepers. That's actually a great, the, there's a story there. The one, the one time I got a beeper uh, I went uh, canoeing in the canals of London and I tipped over my canoe and I dropped both my cell phone and the beeper that they'd given me. Um, I never got put on pager duty again. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use that next time I get hit with, uh, with, with an on-call position. That's a, that's a good move. <laughs> I remember like, I definitely remember my, like, uh, how sour my manager's face was when I like turned his phone <laughs> that was like dripping with, uh, dripping with water. He, he was eating, uh, he was eating bad fruit probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like the other thing is like, we like to build beautiful applications, right? So we, you have to spend yep. that, that, that match the user experience. So you have to spend that time on design and beauty up front. You will not have a beautiful application after the fact. You need just need to bake it in. And An accessible design. Exactly. Don't forget that one. Uh, don't forget that, right? A responsive <laughs> yeah, design. Yeah, right? starts in design. Yeah, responsive. All that starts in yep. design. That, right? Yeah. Yep. So you want you want a, a great experience. You want an accessible experience. You want a responsive experience. You want a quality experience. You want a performant experience like you can have that's another quality that you say like we're going to make sure that we have that this is performant if you want that and that's something that we're not always great about right like we don't actually put in benchmarks for our software from the get-go but maybe we should like but like we there's there's perhaps a hidden cost there that we might be actually accumulating performance debt that we don't even know about Sure. Interesting. There's also, you know, things that pop up that are new. Like for like accessibility wasn't probably always a thing in, in computing. Internationalization probably wasn't always a concern. Uh, beautiful certainly wasn't a concern. If you look on Wayback Machine, you you will see that to be true, right? <laughs> so, you know, all code is tech debt, I would argue, uh, yeah. um, or at least has the potential to be. And yeah, as as the ecosystem as a whole evolves, uh, being responsive to that, having plasticity uh, in that respect, uh, sort of like 
you know, meta first. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Uh, that can be the real challenge. Uh, yeah, Charles right. was mentioning all these uh, experience things, and so I was thinking X first is simply experience first. You know, if yep. you want your users to experience a certain quality of your app, that experience needs to start in the conception phase. Yeah, that's true. And even your developers yeah, like, coming in, developer experience. Yeah. Right. You know. And I think kind of yeah, the core of that, like the core of that X first, that like experience first, is you need to pick which experiences because you can't have everything. Right. One, yeah. you know, there there is going to be too much. Like, you know, you have to say like, you know, I don't want it to be. You know, I, I'm going to sacrifice on knowing that this is a performance thing. I'm not going to include that in my core, the core DNA of my application. And there's just going to be things that you don't know about yet, you know, that are just unsolvable problems or that don't necessarily work. And you can say, you know what, hypothetically, I'm not going to make this an accessible, I'm not going to focus on accessibility, but then you need to own that, right? And you need to know that like you're accumulating a huge amount of debt around that. Uh, and then... You know, I think that is a particularly bad trade-off because someone's always going to come along and you're going to have to know uh, that your application is accessible. You know, I think once we clamp down on that, that's going to be something that we we have a strategy for and we include at the beginning on every single application, right? Yeah. But I think you need to have like almost like holding the cards in your hand, say, these are the cards, these are the, these are the X's that I'm going to have in my hand and they are going to be core to my app and they're going to be part of the DNA of that tree. Uh, so that I know that the fruit is then going to have those qualities. And then you as an engineer that goes through an uh, iterative process as well, right? Um, just starting out, you have no idea what that DNA should look like. And short of, you know, learning from uh, people who are wiser than you, uh, who are around you and reading blog posts and whatnot, really, you know, the only way to know the pain of, you know, strong arming internationalization, for instance, into a 15 year old Perl application is to go through it. Right. Uh, and then, <laughs> so, you know, uh, future trees will not have this DNA. Right. So, <laughs> right. And that, that, that's the other thing is like, if you are going to, if you are going to like include, if you are going to try and like splice something into the DNA, like you're going to, there's a lot of work mm-hmm. and you just need to go for it. You need to acknowledge that it's going to be a lot of work and you need to, you just need to own it and, and, and go for it and, you know, pay that expense of actually getting it deep, deep, deep into your application's core values. So that yeah, I think, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Otherwise, you're going to be paying, you know, you're just basically signing up for a lifetime of debt, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah. And then to make the, like, debt analogy even more is, like, people don't understand the, um, like, the total debt, like, the end debt. Like, people get a $30,000 loan with, like, a 4% interest, and they think they're paying back that $30,000 loan, but really they're paying back, like, thirty six, forty thousand after all the amortization of their interest. Like the debt is higher than you can see always. Yeah. And right. that's true in tech debt too. Like, you know, the React is the new hot thing now, but in 10 years, we're going to be calling React debt that we're migrating away from. I hope you know? so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah, less, like, I think less than 10. Yeah, the debt is always there. It's, and sure. people don't realize how much they have to pay on top of what's visible. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's an invisible VIG, you know. Mm-hmm. What's a VIG? Uh, it's interest in the, in the mafia. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot you're Italian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so for people that are listening, right, they might be in a situation where they need to advocate 
to their the powers that may be these X first values. You know, what do y'all think that some of the approaches that they should take to 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 say to the, whomever it is that we need to do this first? Because there's times when you know you might say, hey, we need to do this first, and people just look and say, ah, well, maybe not. Then you need to like, you know, push back on that. In my experience, I find that the tech debt argument is a good one because I think it can be, it's both limiting and empowering Um, because, you know, sometimes it really is the right call to pull out your credit card and put something on it, right? If you need to buy water and you need to buy food and you don't have any (laughs) other means, man, put it on the credit card, right? Like seriously, even if you have no idea how you're going to pay it back, like whip that sucker out and like stick the chip in. And it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter how much it costs, you know, and, and so sometimes that is the right call, but I think like draining it of, uh, uh, like a moral or a, like a, 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 you know, value as a human person, <laughs> like uh, thing and, and approaching it from a business decision and saying like really trying to attach a cost to it. Cause then yeah. I think, you know, if you can, if you can drain out the emotion of it, cause you know, people like really want something, you know, they're, 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 they're striving to go get it and try and like, let them give them tools to think about it rationally. That I think is a good strategy to just say like, let, you know, let them know that this is, that there, there is a debt that's being paid here uh, or that's being yeah. accumulated here. And it's, it's really large. And, you know, maybe even say like, look, if we were to put this off, by six months, you know, this might cost not twice as much. It might cost 10 or even a hundred times as much. Like, so, you know, by saving $5,000 now, you might actually be accumulating $50,000 worth of debt. Um, it's sooner than you think, but I do like, I, so I think that, I think that's one important tool, but I think then also the other important tool is to say, like, if we are going to attack this, right, let's put it like, 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 let's drive it home. Like, let's put it at the core. Let's make this a value that we hold so that the tree can take care of the fruit itself. Right. So we now, if we, if we say that, like, we're going to put in accessibility, let's say, you know, cause not all projects are green fields, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say Absolutely that, not. yeah, right. Like, you know, so, so what, what's the message to them? You know, you, sorry, you're just SOL. I think, you know, if you're a year into a project, a two year in a project and you realize, oh no, we need to do internationalization, you know, recognize that, that, that might be something that's, you know, that's a, a pillar of your architecture or we're going to make this application accessible. Don't half-ass it. Say yeah, we're actually going yeah, we are going to transform this. We're not going to add accessibility. We are going to transform what we have into an accessible application. Uh, or we are going to transform what we have into a beautiful application. Otherwise, yeah, uh, yeah I would say leave it ugly and focus your efforts out elsewhere on things where you do have your values straight. Right? Because yeah, you're never going to have everything in line. No. Yeah. Treat software like immutably, like you don't add something to it. When you want to add accessibility, you're creating a whole new accessible app. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it was deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so having seen, uh, I, I don't know, I think it was very apt, like looking at it as a business decision, I've seen it go the other way because this, I mean, at least among engineers and uh, people kind of on the technical side of it, this can become a very strong kind of moral issue that people feel very strongly about. 
Because we have to look uh, and, at the consequences, quite honestly, right? Like exactly, and and that's that's a hard thing to translate to, you know, uh, say an executive board that may be three levels abstracted away from you and is making those decisions. I've seen, you know, I've I've seen people attack or approach this, I guess, with that emotion built in, with the this is the right way to do it. Everybody else is doing it wrong. It, it gets nowhere, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, where what what needs to happen, I think, like so, you, you know, you talk about having this beautiful tree, but that also requires beautiful gardeners, right? And so, where the where the moral thing, where the kind of the interpersonal thing comes in, is there needs to be kind of an inclusive uh, and you know encouraging environment that is fostered among the people tending to the tree, and that that's a you know totally separate thing than like you know selling the business value of it. Those things should be completely divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's 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 funny. It's always hard to reconcile uh, those two things, right? Because you know, on one you have like you have to take care of the raw consumption of material, <laughs> right? And like the the output of product, uh, but then also trying to like so there there is some baseline math that has to happen, but making sure that that goal it doesn't slice people uh, and and can enable them to to be happy uh, and 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 feel like they're doing good work um, and that the things that they're doing is having meaning. It's it, probably it, an you know, insoluble problem that we're going to be dancing around for as long as people are around. You know, if there's one thing that we've come to recognize around here, uh, and we've stated it many different ways. Um, from a bunch of different angles through the course of this conversation, and I would say through the course of this podcast, but that is if you want to see something in your software, make sure that you attack it from the get-go. Intertwine it in your DNA. mm -hmm, Exactly. And then you can actually experience uh, the fruit uh, rather than trying to always – always trying to, to, you know, jam it and change it and get it, uh, into the taste you want after the fact. So I guess that's it. Thank you so much y'all for, for this conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. For those of y'all listening, uh, if you want to continue the conversation, you can get in touch with us. We are at the front side on Twitter, or you can drop us an email. We're contact at frontside.io. So thanks Elric. Thanks Joe. Thanks Will. Thank uh, you. Yeah. Yep. It was great. It's fruitful. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Front side first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh and uh well, we'll see you all around. <laughs> <laughs>